Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Don't forget to pack the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies for a post-errands pick-me-up. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Ridiculous History is a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome to the show, Ridiculous Historians. Thank you, as always, so much for tuning in. That is Mr. Max Williams. They call me Ben Bullen. Noel, I can't believe we've done it again. We accidentally made an awesome two-parter. You know, we we did it. We did it, and we're not going to apologize for it either. So just here, here's your part two. Enjoy it, or don't. See if we care. No, we actually really do care. Please enjoy it. Uh, here's part two of the story of the uh, the weird European guy that trained the Mediterranean to make a supercontinent. Let's talk a little bit about how 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 does one manage this, right? So it's it's put into place. Everything goes off without a hitch. Everything's built, you know, with the cooperation of all parties. Who's in charge? If, if Europe kind of led the the project, uh, and, and it's one of one of their guys that's sort of uh, at the helm, how does this thing get staffed, and, and what kind of governing body has to be created to keep it humming? Right, because this would require a giant hydroelectric power plant that would be situated in the Gibraltar Dam that would supply power uh, for Europe and Africa. The idea was that it would be run by an independent body who would have the power to switch off the energy supply to any individual country uh, that created a threat to peace. Mm, How about that? I mean, this really is some Star Trek type shit. Max, it wasn't there a period in Star Trek or a season or a, a, one of the iterations where like they don't even have currency because they're all so in, interconnected and like that's sort of the Federation's job is to keep the rogue, you know, states or whatever from like screwing up this uh, intergalactic peace. That is a common misnomer. So the Federation does not have currency. No one works for money, but like something like the Ferengi Alliance, they use gold pressed latinum as their currency. <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. I just tricked you into showing everybody what a nerd you are, bro. And I, I, love, I pr- love it. I'm proud of how much I'm of a nerd living I am. for this. I watched Star Trek Tell me every more about night. the Fringy's currency. I, I, I just watched it. a great episode of uh, DS9 last night. Deep Space Nine. Yeah, DS9. Deep Space Nine. Well, I, I think other people might not know Max. Well, they need to do their research then. Okay, what but do Max, you think about Odo? Like best character of all time. <laughs> but, but Max, though, seriously, like, I mean, do you see connections here between the kind of idyllic uh, utopian world of Star Trek and what this guy is trying to achieve? I mean, the more I'm reading into this, the less fascist it seems like it actually seems pretty even handed. And if, if everyone played along, could have some positive outcomes. Yeah, I mean, it definitely does have that kind of you. Ut- utopian thing but it's really in that guise of it's like utopian for a very select amount of people yes and it's really it's closer to star trek as in it's very much in sci-fi with this work i mean like just the impact of like what you would do to this to like you know the environment is terrible and i do want to put one more fun star trek little note in here because people forget this, but Star Trek being very much a 1960s show, the origin stories of the Federation comes from World War III, which is a nuclear mm-hmm. war that kills off almost all mankind. So it comes kind of from that same fear base. We're all going to like mutually assured like annihilation that like mm-hmm. this plan kind of has as well. Because that's what this guy's kind of thinking. It's like if we go to war again, we're right. probably all just going to die. Yeah, the old idea of like World War II was fought with nuclear weapons. World War III will be fought with sticks and stones. Yeah, right. I, I mean it's a real fear, and he wanted to, he wanted to get into the hearts and minds of people. So he was trying. He's like one of those really thirsty investigative journalists or uh, pundits or TED talkers. I call them. He wants time on radio programs. He wants to give talks. He even has an Atlantropa symphony commissioned. There's Atlantropa poetry. Uh, he was hoping that if he gets enough popular support, if he gets enough of the hoi polloi talking about this, then the politicians will follow suit. But this did seem really utopian. Ambitious. Yeah, well, <laughs> utopian in, in the not good sense of the word. Like, utopian itself means something that is optimistic, but likely unachievable. Mm-hmm. And this, in this sense, one thing that, one thing that really stood out to me when we we're doing research about this is that it fundamentally alters the social hierarchy and the uh, the order of power. So now you can be you can be descended from a millennia long line of rulers, but the real power is going to be whomever it is at the top that can turn the grid on or off. So yeah. it's like imagine like the president of the U.S has to ultimately pay obeisance to uh, what we hear. We have something called Georgia power, but they have to pay obeisance to like federated pan American power and they don't get to make the calls anymore. So that's that, if anything, seemed like the the most difficult part of the equation. Like they were like, sure, you could build a giant dam, but getting people to agree with each other, I don't know, man. I don't know. Well, and there was there was a lot of like require that, that was absolutely like a deal breaker for this whole project is the idea that they could get people, or at the very least, like strong arm them into agreeing, uh, because it would require an investment from um, you know the participating nations that would have been so hefty, right, that it would have left them without enough funds or you know human capital to actually participate in a, in a war. 
in, in the first place, right? So it, there was all of these very like high-minded ideological kind of things built into this this whole project. And when you're talking about like the sort of fine line between a utopia and a dystopia or like what is a utopia for some is a dystopia for others at the bottom. It reminds me of uh, what I think is one of the the greatest reboots, sequels, whatever you want to call it of all time. um, Max Mad Max Fury Road, where you have this warlord Immortan Joe who essentially controls the water supply and is able to kind of keep all of these, you know, uh, poorer people just at his beck and call and kind of like, you know, worshiping at his feet, literally like a God, because he gives them a, a drop of water every now and then. And like the circumstances are so bad. Yeah. Exactly. Oh yeah, exactly. Um, and this, you know, is the kind of thing that on paper maybe seems, Oh, this is such a great idea. I know I've been like praising parts of it in theory, but it's the kind of thing where like humans are inherently corrupt and corruptible. Uh, and I think if there was a person with their hand on the button or the switch, uh, and they had what would seem like some eugenics uh, mm-hmm. kind of ideas, like it, it would appear uh, Sorgel has, or this you know sort of the way he's thinking of African people, for example, could be a very dangerous um, equation. The residents of Portugal will cease all political protest and dissent if they want to survive the winter. Exactly. Like that kind Mm -hmm. of stuff. And Portugal's a terrible example. Norway would be a better example. Yeah, Portugal's got pretty nice weather. But exactly. Yeah. yeah. I I have a friend who just moved to Portugal. and I can't can't wait to go visit. But uh, I'd love to go too. Yeah, yeah, we should go. We should go and do a live show. Write to us. Tell us where we should do a live show. Hey, it's Danielle, Will, and Ryder from Pod Meets World. Thanks to our friends at Hyundai, we were able to record a very special episode for you guys at the one and only, wait for it, Boy Meets World House. Take a listen. We are lucky to be sitting with Alan and Amy Matthews in the flesh, William, Rusty Russ, and Betsy Randall. Yay! Thank you. Thank you. Yes. When those legends get here, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> you're here. You're here already. No. no we didn't either when we were watching yeah, this that's day. The that's we the problem. We didn't realize it until we uh, started getting into seasons three and four, and now we're like, oh, my God. You were both so good on the show, and we missed it because we were we young. We were kids and, and so self-involved. Egomaniacs yeah. and <laughs> didn't realize well, no, how great you were. We've talked about it. I think you just assumed everybody was as good as them. And, right. and then right. you get into right. as you grow up and you work with other actors, you realize how how lucky we were <gasps> yeah. to have you guys. This has been brought to you by the fully electric Hyundai Ionic 5. New episode out now. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep experts. <sighs> Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Me. 
Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. When we ask ourselves whether this plan is really feasible is where we run into something interesting because nothing in history occurs in a vacuum. As we so often say, this guy wasn't the only guy trying to change the world through the power of dams. From 1923 to 1932, engineers in the Netherlands actually built a dam between a place called the Zuidersee, apologies, uh, and the North Sea, and this, uh, the Netherlands is awesome at reclaiming land. So he saw, Sorgel saw people successfully reclaiming land from the ocean, and he believed that despite the massive size, the massive scale of this project, it would be feasible. He, he probably thought it was going to be easier than it was, uh, just because, you know, in the brainstorming process, anything is possible. Um, but he also, he would always point out the Netherlands example. And he's like, look, these folks are using dams and engineering and the power of technology to create homes, you know, and they created the province of Flevoland, which is now home to 400,000 people. So on some scale, this works. There is validity to it. The question is, can you do it with, you know, the Mediterranean Sea? Can you indeed? Uh, Sorgel certainly believed you could. In fact, he thought it was going to be a snap. Um, he very much was high on his own supply of engineering prowess because he had modeled it after, you know, some of the projects we just talked about that were already underway on a much, much, much smaller scale. Damming the Mediterranean, on the other hand, was going to be a much more tricky concern, I think, because the waters come in from these two major arteries, the Atlantic coming in from the Strait of Gibraltar in the west and the Black Sea coming in from the Dardanelles on the east, like we said. So he thought that just by like cutting off the flow of these two straits, the Mediterranean would uh, easily reduce its sea level. So he decided to give it a go. He was completely convinced that this would work in the same way that, you know, smaller damming operations had worked. So we have to think, though, I mean, you know, we today when we think of like really, really impressive feats of engineering and concerning dams, we think of things like China's Three Gorges dams or the Hoover Dam, for example. Um, these are just absolutely megalithic structures that are, you know, sites to behold unto themselves. He didn't have any contemporary analogs to what he was doing. This would have been a very first of its kind. One thing, however, that uh, Sorgel did not consider was the impact on the environment, like Max was talking about. The increased salinity of the water that would have remained in the Mediterranean Sea could have, in fact, killed off a ton of the plant and animal life. And the patterns of rain, because such a massive body of water lowering it that much, could have actually affected precipitation patterns. And it could have potentially left, um, you know, folks in the wake of the uh, giant dam at Gibraltar um, very, very uh, exposed to things like tsunamis or earthquakes or, you know, 
terrorist attacks, something we would have thought of today. Um, highly recommend a great article on bigthink.com that kind of goes through some of the uh, what ifs of this whole scenario by the uh, very talented Frank Jacobs. So we talked about the public. How did, how did the public in Germany feel? They loved it. They were all about this. He was a media darling. He even founded the Atlantropa Institute to promote this utopian idea. But you're saying, Ben, I just Googled. I just Googled the Mediterranean. It's still a thing. There's no Atlantropa. You're right. Atlantropa never took off because... He, he did not get the support of one big demographic in Germany at the time, which unfortunately was the Nazi party. They wanted to expand for sure. That was one of their things, but they wanted to expand more eastward than south. And once they seized power in Germany, Sorgel did try to pitch the idea to him, but they said, nah, we're not really interested in building dams. We want to conquer the Lebensraum, uh, the old-fashioned way. We want to invade places. We want to take over these neighboring countries. And then, oddly enough, I didn't know this, but for a time, after World War II, for like a very brief time, the European allied powers were like, I don't know, Sorgel, pitch it to us. How how do we drain the Mediterranean? And, you know, we're styling here a bit, folks, but imagine like partway through his pitch, people start, you know, looking at each other sidelong and they're like, wow, I, um, no, this is crazy. We can't, we can't do this. Uh, and we've got to rebuild regular Europe before we make it Landtropa. And that's, you know, that's a valid criticism of the plan. But then something else happens. Nuclear power comes into the fray. This is pre-Chernobyl. So a lot of people, when they're thinking of uh, peaceful nuclear power, they're thinking of it as a superior solution to hydroelectricity. Sorgel doesn't give up. He defends these ideas all the way to his deathbed. Well, not really his deathbed, all the way to the street all the way to his last bicycle ride when he is hit fatally by a car in 1952 while on the way to hold a speech on, you guessed it, the Atlantropa Project. And uh, of just a few years after his death in 1960, the Institute, the Atlantropa Institute officially was closed. Gone, but not forgotten. I think the legacy is there, right, Noel? Right, Max? There's a We've got an epilogue here. There's an epilogue, yeah, for sure. Um, definitely lives on in, uh, you know, some other creative minds and uh, imaginations. For example, Philip K. Dick, the uh, the author of The Man in the High Castle, creates a world where um, the Nazis, uh, or the Axis powers, rather, won World War II. Uh, and the U.S. gets cut up into three different uh, regions with the Nazi kind of puppet government uh, in the east, uh, and then an area under Japanese occupation in the west, in a neutral buffer zone between the two. And of course, that's the television show version, which is loosely based on the book by Philip K. Dick, mm -hmm. uh, published in 1962. And in Philip K. Dick's novel, the Axis powers actually drained the Mediterranean in order to create new uh, tracts of farmland, which is another big part, all the land that it would free up if you lowered the water level of the Mediterranean. And of course, this book is widely considered to be a commentary on fascism. Uh, and um, I think we see how 
the idea of a utopia when the intention is to kind of like other certain parts of the world, you know, can in and of itself be a form of fascism. Hmm. Yeah. And it's weird because science fiction authors in general for a long time love bringing this concept up. It's one of those just fantastic what if alternative history stories. Soviet sci-fi writer Grigory Grebnev also speculated on another future where it wasn't the Axis powers that built the dam, but the socialist revolution. And in his story, there's a small band of Nazi terrorists who are hiding out in the North Pole, and they they want to launch an attack on this dam system because it's a, a glorious achievement of the revolution. To learn more about that, check out an article by our friends at Atlas Obscura. I love it. You guys, if you're listening, you always kill it with the titles. The Bonkers Real Life Plan to Drain the Mediterranean and Merge Africa and Europe by Toon Lambricks. And then, of course, you know, we mentioned we mentioned the Star Trek, uh, the motion picture analog here with uh, Admiral Kirk, I think, by that point, standing on a huge dam near Gibraltar, and the dam blocks the Atlantic Ocean from the Mediterranean. So, Roddenberry was definitely aware of this. We see it in multiple other works of sci-fi, but these days in real terms, you're probably only going to see ideas about the Atlantropa project in museums. Uh, You might see it in German high schools, actually, where it's used as a question on a physics exam. The question is something like, it requires you to calculate the lowering of the water level in the Mediterranean. And the real screwy part of this, that question when you're taking this exam, is the question mentions the project as if it is actually going to happen and that you, the kid taking the test, can help the Atlantropa project by solving the math problem. It's really weird, but it's such a fascinating story. Even if it's not feasible, I do, at the very heart of it, you know, I'm trying to be more optimistic these days, guys. I do like the idea that science can unify people in a way that politics could not and maybe save us as a species from these corners we seem to continually paint ourselves in. Mm-hmm. I don't this know if we have story. music on that. Oh, I love it. I love all, all the choices you've made here, Max. Um, this is a story, though, that I think does an interesting job of combining kind of like ideology and science and um, politics kind of all into one crazy scheme that was maybe a little bit beyond the powers of all of those things <laughs> to actually right. accomplish, right? Because yeah. the science of it, I mean, you know, could you do this? You know, I mean, it, why have we not done this yet? Uh, if it was such a great idea. Uh, I think we've talked about some of the, the the drawbacks for sure in terms of like how it could affect the um, the salinity of the water and the fluoride fun on all that. But, you know, it's interesting. I always wonder, like, why do we not use more hydroelectric power? And I think it's probably largely because of reasons like what we're talking about here, because I think uh, to date, or at least at this point in, in history, only around 17% of the world's uh, power comes from hydroelectricity. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there are hard geographical limits to, you know, just to where you can build a dam, right? Uh, And it's kind of like geothermal energy in that respect. But there's something else they didn't think about 
which is the Mediterranean Sea could disappear in the future. To paraphrase Dennis Reynolds, the continental drift. You didn't think about the drift, you bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Got to account for the drift. (laughs) You've got to account for the drift. Continental drift is a real thing. This is a living, active planet. So we don't know what kind of long tail consequences might occur when we have fundamentally altered the shape of the continents this way, uh, because those tectonic plates are still doing their thing. And, and I think Sorgel didn't really deeply consider uh, what, what the results of this vast plan would be. Hey, it's Danielle, Will, and Ryder from Pod Meets World. Thanks to our friends at Hyundai, we were able to record a very special episode for you guys at the one and only, wait for it, Boy Meets World House. Take a listen. We are lucky to be sitting with Alan and Amy Matthews in the flesh, William, Rusty Russ, and Betsy Randall. Yay! Thank you. Thank you. Yes. When those legends get here, let me know. <laughs> you're here. You're here already. No. Uh, we didn't either when we were watching yeah, this that's day. The thing. That's we the didn't problem. realize it until we uh, started getting into seasons three and four, and now we're like, oh my God. You were both so good on the show, and we missed it because we were we young. We were kids and, and so self-involved. Egomaniacs yeah. and didn't realize well, no, how great you were. We've talked about it. I think you just assumed everybody was as good as them. And, right. and then right. you get into, right. as you grow up and you work with other actors, you realize how how lucky we were yeah. to have you guys. This has been brought to you by the fully electric Hyundai Ionic 5. New episode out now. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep expert. <sighs> Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Everybody, I think, is familiar with the idea of continental drift and tectonic plates. That's the reason why the continents today are located in the places they're located. As you're hearing today's show, the African continent and the European continent are already very slowly creeping toward each other across the Mediterranean. 
And eventually, they're going to collide. Eventually, they are going to do Sorgel's work for him, creating a mega continent called Eurafrica. Uh, and when these two continents meet, most geologists will tell you that the Mediterranean is going to close up and it's going to become mountainous because the land is hitting itself. You know, I'm this is ridiculous. We're an audio podcast. I don't know why I'm like illustrating this to you guys with my hands, but that's like my hands are making a mountain. Ah, nothing like a good visual aid in a podcast, especially when you get meta with it to describe it verbally. But let's hear a little bit from another architect, another very well-regarded architect named Eric Mendelssohn, who gives a kind of modern account of why this was, surprise, surprise, potentially a good idea. And before we get to that, also, I just want to note that uh, there were quite a few folks that believed this was a good idea, including the makers of a 1950 film entitled Atlantropa. The New Continent, Land of the Future. I love those Epcot vibes. Oh, totally. And there were other architects who were fanboys, like, again, Eric Mendelssohn and a guy named Peter Behrens. Uh, Mendelssohn uh, was a German-Jewish architect who had to flee Germany in 1933. Uh, in 1932, a couple of months before he immigrated, Mendelssohn actually supported the Lantropa plan in a manifesto-type fiery speech that he gave in Zurich. He believed that Atlantropa was a chance for the future. It, it, it offered some hope to kind of dig the country out of this slump. The social crisis that uh, Europe was in the midst of that kind of was already there, the groundwork had been laid, but World War I had absolutely blown uh, up completely. Everything from the politics of the time to the economics to the architecture, all of these things he believed were tied together and that this was going to create a what he referred to as world restructuring movement that was driven by uh, something that he also revered highly and thought was the only chance of saving the soul, I guess, even of Europe, which was technology. Mm -hmm. um, and Mendelssohn uh, had this to say. The upcoming world will allow the nations their characteristics, but unites them into a comprehensive community. Because the problems of the new world affect all people as one, we cannot retreat. The speed of traffic has crowded the nations close together, forces them into larger units in order to avoid getting crushed. We must achieve a state of methodical exchange of food and capabilities of production and ingenuity. From this, great supranational tasks are needed that create a new space, new territory, new workspace. The Canal de Dumer comes to mind, connecting Marseille and Bordeaux, the Mediterranean and the English Channel, the Panropa Project, which wants to recover Europe's actual fruit country. This one's a doozy, Ben. Why don't we split it up? Uh, yeah, here, let's let's take part two your way. Yeah, this is this is a, this is a long one, but we think it's important. It's beautifully written. Mendelssohn continues: These are productive, technical, global tasks that want to finally logically value a century of technological inventions. Such tasks finally bring man's reign over technology, so that technology serves him rather than enslaves him. 
Because technology and machines are only tools in the hands of man, simply a new element of his knowing about the world, as once water, fire, air, and soil. Because if we recognize the elements, then we will overcome chaos. If we build from the elements, then a new world will emerge. We'll skip ahead a little bit, get to the banger. At the very end, he says, Therefore, we believe in a new world, in a life of reason and order in politics, economics, and public life. The belief in the accuracy of this interpretation is the deep significance of need, the creative significance of this crisis. And we found that via the excellent work, uh, Noel, you mentioned earlier at the top, uh, Cabinet Magazine. Indeed. Wonderful source. One that I don't think we've spent much time with before this episode. So going to check out some more stuff from cabinetmagazine.org very soon. And the thing is, you know, this wasn't the only massively, you know, uh, big swing, large scale plan to add land to Europe by draining a major body of water, was it, Ben? No, you're right, Noel. We, we mentioned the work in the Netherlands, but there was another one taking place in the North Sea. Uh, from We're pulling this from Modern Mechanics Magazine, September of 1930. And they actually name-check the Netherlands in this quote as well, don't they? Yes, indeed. The magazine comments, if the extensive schemes for the drainage of the North Sea are carried out according to the plan illustrated above, which was conceived by a group of eminent English scientists, 100,000 square miles will be added to the overcrowded continent of Europe. Uh, the reclaimed land will be walled in with enormous dikes similar to the Netherlands dikes to protect it from the sea, and the various rivers flowing into the North Sea will have their courses diverted to different outlets by means of canals. Who doesn't love a good canal? Uh, mm. Walk along a canal, you know, canal you poetry, in, if anybody. You can live in canal into, boats. Also true. Sure. Yeah, if, if anyone's in the Toast of London uh, with Matt Berry, you know about canal poetry. And you know what else has been poetry, Ben? Uh, this two-part episode on the uh, one weird European man's uh, wild scheme to drain the Mediterranean and create a new, somewhat weirdly uh, utopian racist supercontinent. But, yeah, um, big look upon my works, you mighty vibes. Yes, uh, this is a wild ride. This is one of those that really rabbit holed us. And I don't think we knew how how deep this story would go. And the strange thing is just how widely accepted it was as as a feasible plan for so long just like ridiculous history thanks as always for tuning in everybody mm -hmm. uh noel thank you so much as always my main man there uh thank you of course to super producer max williams and thank you the one and only casey pegram i've heard a lot of chatter there's some noise on the internet asking what happened to our good buddy he is well he is healthy and um you may hear from him sooner than later yeah, I heard some tremors on that one, too. Sorry, I've been watching a lot of Succession lately, so I only speak in corporate douchebag lingo now. Huge thanks to Super Producer Max Williams and his brother Alex Williams, who composed this theme that you're hearing in your very ears right now. Jonathan Strickland, the quizster, uh, long may he reign. Um, and I think we'll probably have him back before the year is out, too. Who knows? Maybe we'll do some kind of, like, year-end thing. Podcast people do those, right? 
Yeah, and and we're we're both people and podcast people. Uh, I'd love to get the whole gang together. You know what I mean? We're still going to have our friends from Ridiculous Romance come aboard. Uh, we're going to go check on their show. Uh, we might might even be able to sweet talk Gabe Luzier uh, in there as well. Shout out to you, Gabe, if you're tuning in. Check out this day in history class. Uh, what what a ride! If I you know I keep thinking though the Mediterranean isn't the worst place to build a supercontinent. I guess it would be easier than building one in the middle of the Pacific, but but now I'm I'm just going to think about that. How do we terraform? I don't know, Ben. That's some sci-fi stuff right there too. Folks, let us know. You can write to us at ridiculous at iheartmedia.com. We'll see you next time, folks. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel... It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota.